0: really interesting topic. Actually, an AT Parenting community member asked me to talk about this or actually to bring an expert on to talk about this. And I thought I could totally talk about this. And that is compassion fatigue. I really am not a fan of little like catch-all phrases or just dis- quasi disorders or labels. Cause I just feel like we live in a society where it's like a bunch of acronyms and <laughs> disorders and labels. So there's compassion fatigue, but what is behind that and what that means is actually really important and a really good topic to talk about because parental compassion fatigue, if we're going to use that very formal language, or just feeling like you're not very compassionate to your kids, you're feeling drained and just tapped out. I want to talk about that because I think that's not talked about enough. And what does that look like when you're raising a child with anxiety or OCD? Because I think that it can look very different when we are dealing with those issues. So we're going to dive all into that. I'm going to go into a little bit about the symptoms. I don't like the word symptoms because again, that kind of pathologizes it, but I'm going to talk to you about what to look for some signs that maybe you are feeling tapped out and what to do about it. So before we get started, I do want to say thank you. This podcast episode is sponsored by NoCD. And NoCD provides online OCD therapy in the US, the UK, Australia, and I did hear some areas of Canada as well. So keep checking if you are in another country, you can schedule your free 15 minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com and there is a link also in the show notes. So if you're complaining that you can't find good quality therapy and you haven't contacted them try them and see if there's someone in your area. Okay, let's talk about this parental compassion fatigue. And I actually found a really interesting article on this from our small hours. I'll link it. It is a blog that I wasn't familiar with before, but I really like this article that they did on can moms get compassion fatigue. So I definitely want to credit them and I will link this article in the show notes, but she does a really good job of just outlining what it is. And so I'm going to actually just go through her her article. And then I want to kind of piggyback on that and talk about what we do and how that looks in us when we're parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. Cause I think it goes beyond just the mother related compassion fatigue. And so she talks about the compassion fatigue awareness project lists a bunch of symptoms. And she, you know, listed the ones that were most relevant to a parent, such as excessive blaming, bottling up emotions, feeling isolated, excessively complaining. Now, for those of us that you know go too far, substance abuse or alcoholism, compulsive behaviors, poor self-care, physical ailments, apathy, concentration issues, and mental and physical exhaustion. <laughs> now, those are a lot of symptoms and they're all over the place, but it kind of gives you an idea. And she does have a list too. And I'm going to start with this because I found this really helpful. She lists, do you have compassion fatigue as a mom? Think about your answers to the following questions. So I'm going to read these. Because I feel like it's a good launching point to dive into this conversation deeper in how it impacts parents who are raising kids with anxiety and OCD. Because we may think initially, I have plenty of compassion for my child. I'm not having a problem. I'm very compassionate. And we may not even want to admit to ourselves that we're tapped out and that it's very hard to have that empathy towards our child, to maybe have that awe and excitement about being a parent to, to wake up feeling disillusioned and overwhelmed. All right. So I'm going to briefly read through her list and then I'm going to go uh, and break it down for us in a, in a more anxiety OCD related way. So she talks about, do you feel anger towards your partner for not doing enough to help you with the children? Do you blame your partner for how difficult your day-to-day life has become? Do you feel resentment towards uh, actually I'm going to like sprinkle a little bit of anxiety and OCD in her list. So I would add to that. Do you feel anger towards your partner because they're not helping you with your child who has anxiety or OCD? Do you feel anger towards your partner because maybe they don't see the same things you do or don't you know dive into the resources like you do? Do you feel resentful towards your child for being so needy? And I would add to that, do you feel resentful towards your child for not working on their issues and that you're you know at the helm and they're not taking responsibility or ownership? Do you often complain about how difficult motherhood is or fatherhood? Or have you stopped talking about the difficulties altogether because it feels pointless or because you feel guilty for your feelings? Do you avoid interactions with other adults because the thought of it no longer brings you joy or feels like another uh, demand on you? And I would add to this for our issue, because you're tired of hearing everyone else talk about how great their kids are or, you know, how typical they are. And you're struggling with all these things, or maybe you get advice that's not helpful and it's just tapping you out. Do you feel like you're drowning in the act of mothering and it's all it's all you have time or energy for? And I would add to that, do you feel like you're drowning in the act of like being a therapist, you know, as a parent? And this isn't just for mothering, it could be for fathering. Do you feel like, you know, you're the anxiety and OCD police or all you do is talk about approaches and you feel like you've lost that parenthood that you wanted or that you expected? Do self-care actions such as showers or brushing your teeth, eating a balanced diet, and other basic basics feel like a chore. Do you do them anyway or go days between even when you have enough time to? Quickly, do you not do them? I think is basically what she's saying. Do you feel apathy, a lack of joy, have difficulty concentrating? Do you, and I think this is more an extreme situation but this is where it can lead, do you suspect you have issues with substance abuse or sugar or carb addiction, compulsive shopping, or other addictive obsessive or compulsive behaviors? Are your relationships with other adults difficult or deteriorating. Do you feel like the only relationship that matters are those that you have with your child? Okay. So that's her list. I will link our small hours.com blog post on this in the show notes. I think it was a really good place to start, but I want to dive into how that impacts us. So now you kind of get an idea of like what we're talking about when we're talking about parental compassion fatigue. It's like severe burnout, but I think it goes beyond that. It goes to the core where we We don't enjoy our child anymore and nobody wants to say that out loud. And I think that we need to say it out loud sometimes so that you can get validated. Every parent out there has probably had a moment like that or a period of time like that where they don't enjoy their child and they're just showing up because it's their parental responsibility. That is okay. That is human. It is very normal for you to feel done, for you to be tapped out, for you to feel like I do not get any joy from you talking to your child. Well, not literally saying this to your child, but saying it in your head. I don't get any joy from this. It's like a pure responsibility. And there's nothing, there's nothing enjoyable about this. And not only is it not enjoyable, but I'm not having a lot of compassion for your struggles anymore because I'm done. That is okay. So, I think the first thing is acceptance. Because if we fight that, very similar to our child's anxiety or OCD, when we fight anxiety or OCD and we say, I can't have this anxious thought, or we say, I can't have this intrusive thought, right? We tend to grow it bigger. When we accept it first, yep, I'm having this anxious thought that says, you know, I can't go to this party because nobody's going to talk to me. Yep, my anxiety is showing up. Or, yep, I'm having an intrusive thought that I'm a bad person. Yep, my OCD is showing up. So when I accept those thoughts and then I decide what I'm gonna do with those, right? What am I gonna do with that thought? Am I gonna go to the party anyway? I'm recognizing I'm having anxiety. I say hello, thanks for showing up. I know you'd be here. I'm gonna still go to the party. Or I'm having this intrusive thought about being a bad person. Thanks for showing up, I knew you'd be here. But I'm gonna say, yeah, I may or may not be a bad person, and I'm gonna like go and ride my bike. So That's how we teach our children, you know, to accept these thoughts and then we work through them. We don't avoid them and we might refocus our attention, but we work through them. Same thing actually with grief. Um, You know, I'm in a lot, I'm in grief recovery. I don't think there's a recovery of grief, but I'm working through my grief. And it's the same thing in grief. It's like, I have to deal with those feelings of feeling guilty or feeling like I should have, could have, would have. And I can't ignore them because if I don't work through them, they're going to, they're going to be with me for the rest of my life. So I have to accept them and say, it's okay. I'm going to have those feelings. I don't, I can't deny them. And so it's similar to, it's similar to all those things. You have to first accept that you are not feeling compassionate. You're not feeling sympathetic to your child. You are human and you're having a human moment. You might be having a human year. You might be having a human extended period of time. And that is okay. When we sign up to be a parent, We don't know what we're signing up for. And so a lot of times I think compassion fatigue, I'm not a fan of that phrase just because I don't like catchy phrases like that, but we had an expectation of what parenting was going to be. And for a lot of us, this isn't what we signed up for. So we need to honor that. We need to honor ourselves and recognize that we had an image, a vision of what parenting would look like. And a lot of times, for a lot of different reasons, that image or vision just doesn't come to fruition. It just doesn't look what it doesn't look like what you had in your mind. We do that for a lot of things. We might do that for marriage. But the first step is grieving the loss. And I did actually an entire podcast on that. Let me find out what episode. Actually, it actually wasn't that that long ago. It was episode 189, which is the whole episode is about grieving the loss. Uh, let me see what was the title on that again, helping parents handle the grief that comes with an anxiety or OCD diagnosis. So we have a grief that we need to acknowledge. And if we don't acknowledge that grief, we can get compassion fatigue probably sooner than later because we haven't dealt with our own stuff. So a lot of times when you look at how do you combat compassion fatigue and, you know, you'll get some answers like self-care, get more support, you know, talk to people. But I want to go deeper than that because I feel like it is a deeper issue and it starts with, did you grieve the loss of what you expected as a parent? I don't care if your child's 17 or 18 or 21, did you grieve the loss of what you thought parenting would be and come to terms with what parenting is? And you might want to do some grief work around that, whatever Mm -hmm. that would look like for you. The grief recovery program is actually a book and it's really good. And you can do that. For different things other than death. And so doing some grief work can be helpful. Maybe writing down the vision of what you had and the vision of what it is and and grieving that for a little while. So that would be my first thing to start with. The other thing I would want to talk about is looking at your expectations and reframing your thinking. So do you have an expectation that your role as a parent is to always be empathetic and compassionate? And if you can't put yourself in their shoes, feel their pain coming from a heart space that you are a failure as a parent, is that, is that your belief system? And if that is your belief system, do we need to start with that? Because there will be times where you will not be empathetic to your child's issues. You will not feel in your heart center, you know, that you get it or that you feel bad for them you might be tapped out. And I use the word tapped out because to me that's more of what this is. It's like I am so tapped out. I have nothing to give you. And so, and sometimes it's not because you are lacking self-care. Sometimes you just might be burnt out on their issues. You're like, it's enough already. Like just do it. Or just stop doing it. Like I'm done with this. I've given you therapy. I've gotten you to professionals or I've looked for therapy or I've given you skills or I've done all this stuff for you. And I'm just done. And you know what? It's okay. You're allowed to feel done. It doesn't have to always come from our heart. Sometimes parenting is a task oriented responsibility. So you don't even have to fake it till you make it. It's just skill building. And so I will actually say that sometimes detachment is a good tool. And it's a tool that I use a lot in my parenting with my kids. So we want to, and I'll talk about that in a second. So, we want to go back and we want to reframe. Am I feeling like I have to actually feel my child's pain or feel sympathetic to them or empathetic to them in order to be a good parent? So, the answer is no. And so, we have to revamp that belief system. No human being on this planet is always going to be empathetic. No therapist, believe it or not, you may not like to hear this, but there is a lot of compassion fatigue among therapists where you just don't feel it. I worked on a child abuse hotline. For I think maybe two years, I worked in a treatment center during the day. This was like pretty new into my career. I worked in a treatment center during the day, which was intense, very high needs kids. And then I worked a second job and I was like young. And so I would work a child abuse hotline all the way until I think 12 or 1 a.m. into the night. And so I was exhausted and call after call after call were like these horrific stories I definitely got compassion fatigue. You know, it was just like, did you call Child Protective Services? And, you know, and now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was horrible. But I, you know, when you get bombarded by an issue over and over and over again, when your child is having the same struggles over and over and over again, it can be physically and emotionally exhausting. And you might lose that compassion, but that doesn't mean that you don't do your role and your responsibility to do whatever you're supposed to be doing in that parental role but you don't have to have that emotion behind it because sometimes our body will shut down to preserve our well-being. So you wanna look into that. The next thing I would say is, um, these are things that can accelerate, I think, compassion fatigue or making you feel overwhelmed. And that is if you blame yourself. So how much ownership are you taking on your child's anxiety or OCD issues? How much are you blaming yourself? It's okay in the grief process, And I talk about that in the other podcast episode. It's okay to have a period of time where you sit and blame yourself. Like we have to get through the mud to get out of the mud. And so there is a period of time when your child gets diagnosed, where you might have a period where you blame yourself and you go through, oh my gosh, it's my genes. So genetically it's my fault, or maybe it's my parenting. But then there comes a time where you have to say, first of all, we can't blame ourselves if our child has brown eyes or blue eyes or diabetes or asthma or anxiety or ocd that's genetic and so we all give our kids something some good and some bad and so it is what it is and then as far as blaming yourself like is it my parenting or is it my partner's parenting or who whose fault is this the blame game will definitely increase your fatigue in all areas because now you're not being compassionate to yourself, and being compassionate to yourself is where compassion starts and I'm actually going to be interviewing Dr. Shafali who does conscious parenting and just wrote the book a radical Awakening I'm interviewing her tomorrow so it'll be on my podcast the following week so next week if you're listening to this and we're going to dive deeper into that topic about you cannot be compassionate to anyone else not just your child literally anyone else if you're not compassionate to yourself and it sounds like a cheesy thing to say and her book goes really deep into it which makes it makes it a lot more understandable and it's not just a quick like Hallmark saying or you know just a cheesy therapist thing to say if you are not feeling yourself up and you're not being compassionate to yourself to say it's okay you don't have to feel bad that they're struggling right now you're still going to go and cheerlead them or do whatever you need to do, but you don't have to feel it. That's okay. So being compassionate to yourself and saying, you don't have to blame yourself. It's not your fault. It's not helping. Is this serving you? Is this serving your child? That's something I ask myself a lot lately in my new grief work. I ask myself, is this serving me or is this serving my soul? Is this helping expand my soul or is this actually crushing me? And that really actually does help me. So find your own thing what will help you is this ex- is this helping you in your parenting is this helping you as a human being to blame yourself how is this serving you and when the answer is it's not serving me it's actually exhausting me and it's making me feel even less compassionate for my child because i'm not being compassionate with myself for starters secondly i might be resentful of my child because if my child's not doing well then i'm not doing well and that kind of codependency of if my child's not well then i'm not well it can seem like a great, can seem like a great parenting approach, but it's very unhealthy because we need to be the rock, we need to be the anchor. And just because our child is not doing well, doesn't mean that we're not doing well. It doesn't mean that we're failing as a parent. It doesn't mean that you know we're just bombing at this thing. And that their decompensation or their the acuity of their anxiety or OCD is our fault. That's not the case. And when we blame ourselves, what we do is actually. Fatigue ourselves, and um, we're not being compassionate to ourselves. Therefore, we have less compassion for our child because their failure equals our failure, which equals resentment. Right. So, a lot of this is reframing your thinking and really tapping into how am I viewing this. The next thing I would say, as far as reframing thinking, is: Are you looking too far into the future? So, one, and I will actually talk to Dr. Shafali about this as well next week in the podcast. Is being in the moment. Is is definitely an energy saver. We waste a lot of our energy living outside of the moment. We're living in the past. Oh my gosh, I should have, could have, woulda. Have. If I didn't do that, maybe her anxiety or OCD wouldn't be that bad. Or we live in the future. Oh my gosh, what is this gonna look like in elementary school? Or what's this gonna look like in college? How are they gonna function as an adult? If she's already doing this, what is it gonna look like in a few months? Right? We all do that. But reining it back in. Is a very helpful skill. So, beyond self care, which is great, and I'm not putting down self care, that's where we start. But beyond self care is the inner work that we need to do in reframing how we talk about our child's anxiety or OCD, how we view our child's anxiety or OCD, how we view ourselves, how we take care of ourselves, and then training our brain to stay in the moment. We have to do our own work. In order to be there to help our kids. And so that's been really hard for me, to be honest. You know, my plate was already full. And then to add another scoop of like grief and loss on my plate was enough to tip my plate over and to make it overflow. And so a mantra that I've been doing that's been very helpful and it's been helpful for me when I look at my child's anxiety or OCD as well is just today. It's actually my mantra just today. I thought about tattooing it and then I'm like, man, I don't want to get another tattoo. I do have a tattoo on my ankle that I got when I was 18. (laughs) My brother has a matching one and now you know more about me than you ever thought you would. And I thought about writing just today, like on my wrist and stuff. But then I was like, I don't think so because I hate that tattoo. So, but I should just, you know, put little sticky notes everywhere just today. I'll worry about just today. I'll do this just today because my mind having an anxiety disorder myself goes to, even when I have something good, maybe you can relate to this. Even when our child is doing good, you think, oh my gosh, how long are they going to do this? Will this last? And so we worry about it getting worse. Oh my gosh, what if they, you know, what if they can't go to school when school opens again, or what if they can't do this? And then when they do it, we don't sit there and celebrate. Well, some of us do, but a lot of us don't. We say, Oh my gosh, how long is this gonna last? <laughs> when when will the other shoe drop? You know, what if they can't maintain this? What if they forget their skills? What if they refuse to go to therapy? What if they stop taking their medication? Does this sound familiar? Right? So we can't even sit in the happiness because it's what if, what if, what if and, and I am a hundred percent guilty of this to the point where like even when I have things that I enjoy, like I'm really enjoying walking in the desert now. <laughs> It's like I, I'm developing like some self-care I hate the word self-care too I just don't like these cheesy things, but I am trying to develop some new routines where I put myself first because if you don't take care of yourself, aren't compassionate to yourself, you really you can't you can't be there for other people and if you are, they're feeling a void that you have left for yourself, and I'll get into that more in the next episode where we're really going to dive into that because. I've been reading this book to prepare for this interview with Dr. Shefaly. And oh my gosh, it's just really good. So anyway, I'll be out in the desert and I'll think, oh, I love doing this. And it's really invigorating. It's just really like this nature walk is like very meditative, but what's going to happen when it gets too hot or what's going to happen when it's like 110? Cause I'm in the desert. And then I have to say to myself just today, it feels okay. Just for today, you can handle this. And so coming up with your own saying that Brings you back to the now, or you can steal mine, that's okay, can be very helpful. So, when I look at my son, and yesterday he couldn't do an exposure, and he had been doing really well with eating to exposures, and yesterday he just couldn't do it. And I thought, oh my gosh, he can't even eat a Hot Pocket. Like this is, and then I thought, well, just today his weight looks okay. So, I'm going to just focus on today. And just today, you know, I'm not concerned about his weight, I'm not concerned about his health. And so, we're okay just for today. That works for me it brings me back. It anchors me. So find your way to anchor because I feel like that also adds to the fatigue of being empathetic or having compassion is the fear. The fear can paralyze you. So look at that and bring that in. The other thing I would say, um, separate from reframing your thinking. So a lot of what I've been talking about today is reframing your thinking. I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. So you know, I love to attack the thoughts, you know, address the thoughts, reframe the thinking. I really feel like that goes a long way. And then I want to talk a couple, I want to talk about a couple of things to take action on as well. And that, you know, it does go into the, just the very obvious state of self-care. You know, if you need help, find your people and get help. Don't be too proud. I think sometimes we are so proud. We don't ask for help. We don't want help. Um, we'll be on our deathbed before we even reach out to anybody. And even then sometimes maybe not, and that's not a great way to live. And we're going to get burnout really fast. And so if you need to tap out and get someone else to come in, if you have somebody you can trust, do that, take care of yourself. You don't have to do everything. I'm learning that I had to cut back on a lot of stuff. And so if you're look at your plate and if your plate is too full, It again goes back to self compassion and saying, How do I be my own best friend and take care of myself? And so I may not be able to do everything. I may not be able to have that huge birthday party with 30 kids because I just can't do it. And even if that disappoints my child, I might have to say, You know what? Invite your best friend and we can go out to eat. That's what I've got for you today. You're not failing as a parent. So it's first recognizing where you're at and what you can manage. And I mean, not to talk about my grief every single freaking podcast. I am so sorry. It's just my world right now. But I had to look at my plate really closely because I was somebody who was like who thought she was a superwoman and I could not I did not know the word no. I didn't want to disappoint anybody, especially my kids or my community. And so my plate got fuller and fuller. How how full is your plate? And so you might want to cut back. So if your child is in all these extracurricular activities and it is just too much, you might want to say, you know what? We can't do that one. Or you might say, you know, I'm doing this for church and I'm doing I'm volunteering for this. And, you know, I help my sister out with this and I'm, you know, I have my job here and then I'm doing this. What stuff can you cut back? If you're feeling complete compassion fatigue, if we're going to use that word, right? I had to look at my plate and I had to cut out a lot of stuff for self-preservation and I had to add a lot of stuff. And that was weird too. So I had to add a lot of stuff that was for me, because when you're operating from an empty vessel, you're not going to be compassionate. I'm a much better parent. I'm a much better human being when I am completely filled up and then I can give to other people. And so on a very concrete level, that means getting enough sleep for me with this grief thing, it means taking melatonin, which I've never done before. It means cutting back on coffee. Although I really haven't, (laughs) you know, like I try to have one cup a day, you know, because that makes me feel can make me feel more anxious if I have too much. And so it's looking at some really basic things, but it's also looking at, so what are you going to take off and what are you going to add? And it it does seem counterintuitive to focus on yourself because I think sometimes we can feel like that's selfish. Oh my gosh, my child's on fire you know, they are having severe anxiety or OCD issues. And, you know, she's telling me to focus on myself. Like what a cheesy, selfish thing to do. It's not, it really isn't because when we're operating on fumes, we have nothing to give. And so we're actually not helping our child and we're not even helping ourselves. And so you want to look at yourself first, which I know seems obvious, but it's something to say and look at your thinking. We just already talked about that. You know, journal that, do some work on that if you really need to. And then look at what you're going to take off your plate and what you're going to add to your plate. So for me, I had to take off my private practice. Boom, took that off. I can't do that anymore. I have to focus on myself. I need to take care of myself. I need to be compassionate to myself. I need to do more things for myself. And so my doing for others had to be decreased. And so that was an easy thing to take off my plate because I wasn't doing a lot of my private practice. And so took that off. I pulled back on all my volunteer stuff. Um, I had stuff that I was going to do for the international OCD foundation. I emailed them. and like, I can't do it. I'm so sorry. I went through a frenzy of emailing a million people who I was going to collaborate with, or I was going to be interviewed. I was going to do a podcast with all these things that were like on my plate. I canceled everything. I had, I was supposed to read a book to a bunch of students for one of my new books that came out and I canceled literally everything. And then I looked at my plate and I was like what else can I get rid of? And so look at your plate. You may not have a lot on your plate, but you might. You might be like, you know what? She's right. I actually do this one thing. And I really I don't want to say no. I don't want to disappoint people, but get it off your plate. <laughs> if you were like yes to a lot of the things that I read in the beginning when I talked to you about what parental compassion fatigue is, get your plate empty. It may not be related to your child at all, but it's about you. It's depleting your energy. It's depleting. You only have a finite amount of energy. So we're focusing on you. So get the things that you need off your plate. And then what can you incorporate on your plate? What can you add? So I added things to my plate that weren't there before. I added a 45 minute walk in the desert. I would never have done that before because I had an issue with time. I can't waste time that's 45 minutes in the beginning of my day. You know, I I have to wake up and look at my emails, make sure that I'm responding to people, make sure that I'm, you know, taking care of my kids. And no, I said to my kids, you know, my kids are nine, 11 and 17. And I said, for the summer, breakfast and lunch are on you. (laughs) They are old enough that they can make their own meals. Am I a bad parent? No, I need my kids to step up it fosters their independence. It fosters their ability to have self-efficacy and feel like they can take care of themselves. It's a win-win. Um, if I felt guilty about that, I have to work on my belief system and say, "What's what story am I telling myself that makes me feel like a bad person and a bad mom if I'm not making my kids breakfast and lunch every day? And I'm going to reframe that. Whatever story that is, I'm going to rewrite that story because that story is not serving me and it's actually not even serving my kids. So what things are we doing for our kids that we can take off our plate? And when they wake up and they say, especially my nine-year-old mom, can you make me breakfast? Breakfast and lunch are on you. Dinner's on me. That's my job. My job is to make you dinner. I will make you dinner every night. You will never have to think about what you're going to eat for dinner, but breakfast and lunch are on you. And so we want to look at those type of things, what tasks we do. That's taken off my plate and added to their plate. So I added the walk and I actually added an evening routine. I don't know how long it will last. And that's my whole what if, right? Whenever I have anything good, I say, how long will I do this? I'm always creating new habits and then I never stick with them, right? That's the negative voice. And so I'm cognizant of that. And I'm, I'm recognizing that thank you for showing up again. I call my anxiety paro. So thank you, paro for showing up and trying to like take away, you know, or worry about, you know, the good things that I'm doing for myself. But just for today, I am going to go for that walk. And just for today, I'm going to do my evening routine. I'm not worried about if I can maintain it. I'm not worried if I'll do it forever or what I'll do if I travel just for today, I'm going to do it. And so that mantra really serves me. And I hope you can find something like that, that can help you. And so at night lately, since my husband has passed away, I have an evening routine that, you know, I light a candle by my bed and I meditate for a little while. Sometimes I listen to like some music and then I go to bed. (laughs) I used to just stay up and watch Grey's Anatomy. I can't watch that anymore. It's too triggering for me. And so I'm aware of the things in my life that are triggering. I can't watch all my favorite shows anymore because ironically, all my favorite shows were about grieving w- women. It's so, it's so crazy. So my free, my three favorite shows are, this is us, right? Her husband dies in a fire. Grey's Anatomy, while the main character, like, you know, her, she's a widow, a million little things. Her husband killed her, killed himself. So it's so bizarre that like my three Favorite shows involve widows. Yeah, so I can't watch TV anymore. So knowing, knowing what kind of taps you out, like it's really about being in tune with yourself because like I'm aware enough that I can't even watch TV shows because it's too triggering. And so knowing what kind of fuels you up and what depletes you is really, really important. So that was a lot of different information. And I wanna talk about one last thing actually before I wrap this up. And that's detachment. And that is another thing that I'm going to try. I have a very short window of time to talk Dr. Shafali, So we'll see how much I get in there. Cause I think I'm only allowed to talk her for 20 minutes. So we'll see how that goes. But detachment is, is kind of like a bad word to some parents out there who are, you know, doing a lot of attachment parenting. And so detachment sounds like, like a, it sounds like a four letter word. We don't want to detach from our kids. That's like the opposite of what we think of when we think of positive parenting or attachment. And I'm not I'm not really into boxes and uh, labels of parenting styles. Um, I'm always like, you do you, I'll do me. let's let's just all do our own thing. It's okay. That's just my stance. But when we, when it comes to raising a child with anxiety or OCD or other th- areas of our life, which I'll try to talk about with Dr. Shafali, Detachment is a really important tool. I detach from my child's journey. Um, And I talk about this a lot, especially in my free self-care series that I do twice a year is I have a healthy detachment from my kids. Their success is not my success. And if you don't have this, it might be something to work on. I think a lot of times parentally, we live through our kids inadvertently. We don't want to, we may not even want to admit that to ourselves, but we want our kids to have a better life than we had. And sometimes we take that a little bit too far. Where we're actually kind of vicariously living through them on some level. You know, I didn't get the opportunity to go to prom, so I want to make sure you go to prom. And um, maybe my child doesn't even care about prom, but I care because it's something I didn't get to do. So we're going to make sure that you get to do it in the way that I didn't get to. And so sometimes we are so we are so tied into our child's successes that their failures seem like our failures, their wins seem like our wins, and. It's not a healthy way to be in general, but it's definitely not helpful when our child has anxiety or OCD because their anxiety or their OCD is not our anxiety or our OCD. And it can be because many of us, um, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the genetic tree. And so a lot of us have our own anxiety and OCD issues that are triggered by our kids. And I'm sure I've done a podcast on that somewhere. I don't know what episode I'm sorry, but you want to be in tune with that. So it's not, it's not that these things are a bad thing but it's something that we want to be aware of and we want to work with. You know, It's like a piece of clay that we want to mold in maybe a different way than how it is currently. So I look at my kids and I see their anxiety and OCD issues. And um, sometimes I'm empathetic. Sometimes I'm not. I'll give you an example. I'll end with a really juicy throw Natasha under the bus story of how I was not empathetic recently. Make you feel better. (laughs) But I also recognize that I do not have the power to catapult my kids' lives in the way that I want them to go. I don't get the say in how successful they are in life. I don't get a say in how well they combat anxiety or OCD. I don't get that choice. My job is to coach them. My job is to connect them to appropriate help, whether that is through a therapist or through a book or through skill building or through recreational activity. My job is I'm their life teacher. You know, and you've heard me say this before if you've listened to me. When we try to talk to our kids about discipline or whatever, I'll say like I'm your life teacher. Like my job is to to help help you help yourself. I will help coach you, but ultimately I can't get on the field and play the game for you. Or if we use the car analogy, which I use a lot, I can't grab the steering wheel and drive the car for you. In fact, if I do that, we're both going to crash. Right, I'm not going to have compassion for you, and you're not going to do better anyway. And so we're both crashing. Can't grab the steering wheel. I can't grab your foot and push it on the gas. It just won't work. I can do that in the short term, right? I can manhandle my child and say you're going to do this, but long term it's not going to work. They're going to be resentful. And maybe I need to do that in the short term, but long term it's not going to stick because ultimately at the end of the day, they are in charge of their own life. They are in charge of their own success. And we, we have to let go of control and say, I recognize, and you may not like to hear this, but I recognize that ultimately I do not get to say how well my child will do with their anxiety or OCD, or ultimately I don't get to say what will happen in their adulthood. You know, I am a coach and I'm going to try my best to coach them in the best way possible, give them the best tools possible, do my role as far as how I interact with you, you know, Know what I, you know, not accommodate your anxiety or OCD, or know when to pull back and when not to. I'm going to study my own stuff, but also I'm going to give myself some grace and know that I'm human. And there's going to be times where I'm going to lose my cool, I'm going to snap. That's fine. That's actually building resiliency because you're not going to always be dealing with people who are going to treat you with kid gloves, right? We're going to have people who are going to rock your boat. And sometimes I'm going to rock your boat because I'm human, and that's okay. It's all part of the life lessons um this messy life that we're in and so detaching from the expectation that i have more power than i really do in the trajectory of my child's success with anxiety or ocd is important to recognize you don't have all the power you're giving yourself you are one small piece of the puzzle there are other pieces of the puzzle that you don't get to control you don't get to control their neurotransmitters or their physiological state you don't get to control um, their ability or motivation to work on things or their aha moments or their fragility or their bravery. You don't get to control those personality traits that, that are, are with them. All you get to control is how you handle it. And it doesn't have to be from an empathetic, compassionate stance. My kids would really not know necessarily when I'm feeling for them and when I'm not, because my words are the same. You know, do you want to do an exposure? Do you want to earn a point? My emotions are checked out. I'm skill building. I am a teacher. Some days I want to show up, some days I don't. Some weeks I don't, some months I don't, and some years I'm really into it. But my kids don't know the difference because I'm skill building. And so my words are the same. I'm not crying with them. We celebrate, but whether I feel the celebration in my heart or not, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. And that is okay. Because a teacher still shows up for their job, whether they're excited about teaching or not. Um, The students don't know any different, right? I don't own the success and the grades of my students. I'm just there to teach. It's the same thing. I know that's hard. (laughs) I know you're probably like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Easier said than done, Natasha. I get it. But detachment is key. We have to detach from our child's overall success in the sense that we have any control over it. I hope that makes sense to you. Um, Because you can say, I'm not going to detach. Their success is my success and their loss is my loss because they're my child and I can't separate it. But what you're not realizing is that, regardless of whether you want to admit it or not, you don't have control. And so that's going to tap you out pretty fast because it's going to get bumpy. You know, it's like watching your stocks long term. (laughs) They're going to go up and they're going to go down. You better not watch them because it's going to get bumpy. Same thing with our kids' success. It's going to be bumpy. They're going to be, good periods and bad periods. And, um, it doesn't mean that you become complacent and you don't do your part. Your part is to be a coach, to support their skills, to be very educated in anxiety and OCD, um, to encourage exposures or whatever you're doing at home. But it doesn't mean that you have to be so emotionally invested in it, that you are enmeshed and that you are literally feeling their, their loss and their struggles and their pain and their, Discomfort because if you are you won't be a good coach, right? so that detachment is something to work on, and it's a process it doesn't happen overnight, and there are good times and bad times with me too. I think I can detach a little bit easier with my kids because as a therapist, I had to detach I've done a lot of stuff in my life where I've had to detach, and I think I had a childhood that taught me to detach in an unhealthy way um so we have to be careful with that too we don't want to over detach to the point where we are numb and we don't soak up our kids or soak up our life in a way. And if you are feeling that way, if you are feeling like you are so devoid of a of emotion and everything is numb. And you were checking off all the boxes when I when I read the symptoms of compassion fatigue in the beginning of this episode, seek out your own help. Like definitely get your own mental health support. There is nothing wrong with that. It it goes back to me talking about filling yourself up with that compassion and getting yourself you know, getting the things off your plate, you don't need and adding new things to your plate. And maybe you need a scoop of therapy on your plate. And so add that because that's important because when we're too checked out, that's a problem as well. So the extremes of any sort are a problem. I often do not have compassion for my kids. Now that doesn't mean that I don't show up as a coach or as a parent, but I often don't have compassion. Especially if it triggers my own issues. And so I was gonna throw myself under the bus before we go. That's always fun. So in death it was discovered that my husband had a cardiac, like a genetic cardiac issue. So that's been fun added to my plate because now trying to find the genetic marker and I have to take my kids to, you know, a cardiologist and we have to do genetic testing and make sure, you know, I think it's a fifty percent chance that they can have this. So it's another new added stress that I don't need. And so we were at the hospital last week for our first appointment and my son, you know, started feeling nauseous. And, and so like, we're walking through the hospital and we're walking, we weren't even inside yet. And he was already like, I'm going to throw up. I feel nauseous. And my social anxiety gets so triggered when my kids have, when they feel nauseous. Cause when we're in public to me, my social anxiety is like, Oh my gosh, you can't throw up, especially with COVID now, that's going to be so embarrassing. And like, I don't know how people are going to react to that. And, and so I wasn't compassionate. In fact, I was like the opposite of compassionate. I was like, get it together. (laughs) I was like horrible. I was like, get it together. You know, like you need to just pull it together. You're fine. Like I said, all, I wasn't even a coach. Like it was beyond not compassionate. It was like the anti-coach showed up. Um, And eventually I like got myself in check because I realized this is my social anxiety and I'm barking at him. And so I said, do you want to sit at the bench first? And I moved more into coach mode. Was I compassionate? No. Did I feel compassion? No. (laughs) I was annoyed. I was angry. I was tired. I was sick of like having to deal with the panic and the throw up beers and all that. So we sat on the bench um, and I didn't say anything because I knew if I said something, it wasn't gonna be nice. And so I just sat there and I said, Are you feeling any better? And he's like, Yeah, I'm feeling better. And we walked in and he was fine the rest of the time. But that was a beyond non-compassionate moment. Now I did go back later, like I think like a day or two later. And I said, I'm sorry that I was rude to you when we were in the hospital. I want you to know that like, you know, when you say you're going to throw up, it triggers my social anxiety and it's something I have to work on. So I do try to come back if I'm like, not that I'm not compassionate, but if I'm nasty, (laughs) then I feel like there's a learning lesson there for both of us. Right. So coming back and circling around, sometimes it takes me a day or two to, to feel even compassionate enough to do it. Sometimes I'm still angry enough that I won't want to come back and circle around and fix it. But I did in this time, in this moment, in this episode, I felt compassionate enough to come around a day or two later. And I said, that was my social anxiety. You know, I know that was not very kind hearted of me. And I know I was impatient with you. And I just want you to realize that it was triggering for me. And that's not an excuse, but I just want you to know what was happening with me at that time. And I can't promise you that it won't happen again. I think that's key too, is like, it's good to be human and say, I, I'm going to try, but I can't promise that I won't sometimes act like that again, because I'm human too. We're actually showing our kids that it's okay to be imperfect, that we're imperfect. We're perfectly imperfect and that we are, um, that we're human and um, that we have compassion for ourselves. So, you know, watch how you talk about yourself to your kids. You know, I wasn't like, I'm sorry, I was horrible. I'm a horrible person. I'm a horrible parent. That was a horrible parenting moment. It's like, I'm working on my own stuff, you know, and I have to work on my triggers and and working through those issues. So even speaking in a compassionate way about ourselves when we are apologizing. So I hope that you found this episode helpful. I know I kind of went a little bit all over the place in different ways to kind of address your compassion fatigue. I just want you to know that if you're struggling with that, you're not alone. I think many of us in the trenches of raising a child with anxiety or OCD, many, many of us have that and we'll have that. And if we don't have it now, we, we could have it. And if we don't have it currently, we can get it again. It's okay. So I hope that you are finding a benefit from my podcast. I hope you check in next episode. I think that's going to be a really good one with Dr. Shafali. Um, she wrote Conscious Parenting and a whole bunch of other amazing books. Um, and uh, you'll hear my interview with her on her recent book, Radical Awakening. And if you are enjoying the podcast in general, please feel free to hit a star on iTunes or wherever you rate your podcast. It does really help the show. And if you have an extra second and want to leave a comment, I love reading those. And it's really helpful for other parents too. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care.